Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 43rd episode, our guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, and 35 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He's an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over nine years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now on to the show. Hello. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I think we got our times mixed up because uh, it's twelve forty-five over here. But I guess, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, this is this is one hour later. But yeah, I figured you weren't going to call. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't realize. I thought it was an hour earlier. I guess than it is. But are you are you okay to do a little bit now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess neither one of us majored in math. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, yeah, big news day. Um, I think we're calling it like, like hashtag Golden Gate or something. Uh, that, that's one. That's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a lot of uh, puns based off of, of that. So, <laughs> you know, yellow journalism yeah. and doesn't hold water and you know, <laughs> leaks are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I know. He's, uh, so this time Trump's upset about the leaks. <laughs> Yeah, he's, 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 he, uh, you could say he's being a real wet blanket about it. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I think I saw, like, uh, what's his name? Stephen Colbert did a whole thing on this, and he had, like, a one-minute-long riff or something of just puns and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, well, okay, so what should we, how should we start this? I mean, we, I guess we should clarify. Well, I mean, that's, that is the question, because other news organizations haven't even really gone into uh, what is uh, contained in this, because, um, as uh, my listeners should know by now, I'm a journalist who is, uh, you know, working for a newspaper that's part of the Associated Press. I'm also a member of the Society of Professional Journalists. Um, there's been a lot of controversy in the journalism community about what BuzzFeed has done uh, by by publishing this, and in the front page story that we had in today's paper about this uh, from the Associated Press, they don't even make it explicit what is contained in this dossier. They just talk about how it's, you know, controversial, controversial, and it's unverified, and they don't go into any specifics. So, um, for, I guess first, before we go into the specifics of the actual dossier, what, what do you make of other organizations' uh, responsibility as far as kind of informing their readers what is actually in this uh, since, you know, the, the seal's been broken, you know, by BuzzFeed, so. And the seal has been broken. <laughs> as they say. <laughs> yeah. Is that intentional or is that... I guess not. I guess I'm on such a track right now, I could probably just do a couple more of these without even thinking about it, so. <laughs> yeah, it might have been like a frozen slip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, let's first clarify exactly what we're talking about, because I think that, you know, I mean, you know, for posterity's sake, at least. Oh, sure. Well, do you have the, uh, the, the dossier or the report pulled up right now? I don't have it pulled up, but, um, 
but from what I understand, there was a two-page report mm-hmm. by American intelligence agencies that was delivered to President Barack Obama and uh, and uh, President-elect Trump, much as it pains me to say that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was that was talked about in the CNN um, article. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's there is an accompanying CNN report that we should make sure to mention because that actually came first, um, but it didn't go into specifics. Uh, but you know, soon after, I guess BuzzFeed just dumped it. So yeah, uh, BuzzFeed dumped a 34-page report, I believe. Mm-hmm. I actually have the report pulled up right now. Okay. Um, did you want me to read from part of it, just some of the pertinent parts here? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, okay. I think we should know exactly what we're talking about. So this is, and we should say that this was prepared several months ago, and this was prepared by, I believe, the Jeb Bush campaign. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I thought I'd heard that yesterday. Um, so this is yeah. opposition research, right? So this is like another campaign trying to dig up dirt on a political opponent. Um, Another Republican campaign. Exactly. Right. Right. I think it was. I think it was taken over by the Clinton campaign after sure. Trump won the primary. But, but I think the important thing that's getting lost in all this, you know, hyperpartisan. Oh, it's bullshit. It's it never happened. It's not. You know, it's not real news. It's fake news. It's fake news. Uh-huh. All this stuff. The forgetting is that it started with Republicans and. I think there's a lot of evidence that something really is going on and has happened here. Yeah. And um, we'll get into that soon. But, yeah, go ahead and go ahead okay. and read some part of it. Yeah. Well, this is from, and we found out also yesterday the author of this was a ex-British spy named Christopher Steele, which is almost sounds like a made-up name for a spy. But um, anyway, yeah. yeah. So it, and, and I, think this, you, I think they give you that on day one of the Academy. <laughs> right, exactly. At, at, at MI6 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's exactly. A 52-year-old, I assume, British man, mm-hmm. and he works for a uh, intelligence company now called Orbis. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, and 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 we should also say that while this is unverified, this was, as we said, shared with Trump and Obama, and at the highest levels of the CIA and everywhere else. So this was at least taken seriously enough to get to that level. So this isn't just some internet rumor. This is at least somebody that has enough credibility with that community that they would pass that that high up the ladder. So anyway, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I, I think to to lend more credibility to it. Um, after people were saying, well, we don't even know who this guy was, and claimed he worked for the MI6, which is, you know, the James Bond organization. Mm-hmm. Was, was it on M- M16 or M15 or MI5? Uh, yeah, I believe it's MI6. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, but the BBC, the next day, I mean, today, BBC came out with another report that said he's not the only source for this. Right. So this shouldn't be just like one rogue guy with an to Yeah, I, I, did, I did also see that report, yeah. So this is, you know, there, there is more, I think we, we can safely say, than this. A new word has entered our political lexicon. Compromat. That's Russian for a dossier used to blackmail someone. CNN reported last night that Russian intelligence agencies had obtained compromising material about Donald Trump. He's condemned the reports. The president-elect tweeted, fake news, a total political witch hunt, all in capitals. This morning he tweeted, Russia just said the unverified report paid for by political opponents is a complete and total fabrication, utter nonsense, very unfair. Later posting that Russia has never tried to use leverage over me, I have nothing to do with Russia, no deals, no loans, no nothing. 
So how long have these allegations been circulating? Our Washington correspondent is Paul Wood. The rumours or the allegations or whatever you want to call them have been circulating for a number of months now. I saw the report compiled by the former British intelligence officer back in October. Um, He is not, and this is the crucial thing, the only source for this. I was also told by uh, a man I'll call a member of the US intelligence community back in August that he had been told by the head of an East European intelligence service that the Russians had compromat or compromising material on Mr Trump. Um, It's very, very difficult, of course, to talk to uh, US intelligence people. They're breaking the law if they talk to you. But I did ask somebody with connections in the CIA to pass a message to them. uh, And I got a message back that there was uh, allegedly more than one tape, uh, not just video, but audio as well, on more than one date in more than one place in both Moscow and St. Petersburg. Now, having said all that, nobody's seen this tape. Uh, We're talking about intelligence here and nobody should believe something just because an intelligence agent says it's still less an anonymous intelligence agent. But it is viewed as credible by the CIA and that's why it landed on President Obama's desk last week on the desk uh, of the congressional leadership and uh, was given to Mr Trump as well. And even congressional Republicans are talking about investigations and Democrats, I know, are talking about impeachment. But it's still presumably impossible to prove any of these allegations. Well, if the Russians have blackmail material, they're hardly going to release it. So it really comes down to the credibility of these FSB sources, these Russian intelligence officers, quoted by a British intelligence officer who was employed by an opposition research firm working first for uh, a super PAC um, uh, supporting Jeb Bush and then for an anonymous democratic donor. So, of course, it is all extremely problematical. Paul Wood. So the, anyway, the title of this is U.S. Presidential Election Republican Candidate Donald Trump's Activities in Russia and Compromising Relationship with the Kremlin. And I believe this is like the two-page summary that uh, that they received, because like, this is just kind of a, an overview. But anyway, the summary is that the Russian regime has been cultivating, supporting, and assisting Trump for at least five years. And we know that's true because we have tweets that say, you know, from the Miss Universe pageant back in 2013, he went back and visited. Uh, Russia. There was that cryptic tweet where he uh, Trump says, I wonder if Putin will be my best friend. So we know that he's had a relationship in Russia for at least that long, if not longer. Anyway, back to the text. Um, aim, endorsed by Putin, has been to encourage splits and divisions in Western alliance. And that's an important, you know, back to my commentary, but that's an important feature of this, is that it's not so much that mm-hmm. Putin is so big of a fan of Trump, it's just that he's interested in sowing chaos in the Western world wherever he can and to destabilize NATO and other Western alliances. So... Yeah. yeah, anyway, so back to the text. So far, Trump has declined various sweetener real estate business deals offered him in Russia in order to further Kremlin's cultivation of him. However, he and his inner circle have accepted a regular flow of intelligence from the Kremlin, including on his Democratic and other political rivals. Former top Russian intelligence officer claims FSB has compromised Trump, which I believe FSB is the uh, what the KGB is now, right? Is that correct? Um, I... I- I'm actually a little unclear on this. I thought the FSB was similar to the FBI. Oh, was it? Okay. Okay. Well, it's it's a Russian intelligence agency, though, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, has compromised Trump through his activities in Moscow sufficiently to be able to blackmail him. According to several knowledgeable sources, his conduct in Moscow has included perverted sexual acts which have been arranged slash monitored by the FSB. A dossier of compromising material on Hillary Clinton has been collected by Russian intelligence services over many years and mainly comprises bugged conversations she had on various visits to Russia, intercepted phone calls rather than any embarrassing conduct. The dossier is controlled by the Kremlin spokesperson Peskov direct, directly on Putin's orders. However, it has not been distributed abroad, including to Trump. Russian intentions for deployment still unclear. Okay, detail. Speaking to a trusted compatriot in June 2016, sources A and B, a senior Russian foreign ministry figure and a former top-level Russian intelligence officer still active inside the Kremlin, respectively. The Russian authorities have been cultivating and supporting Trump for at least five years. Source B asserts that Trump operation was both supported and directed by Putin. Putin. Its aim was to sow discord and disunity within the U.S. itself, but more, more especially within the transatlantic alliance. Um, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of, we already covered that. Um, okay, here we go. In terms of specifics, Source A confided that the Kremlin had been feeding Trump and his team valuable intelligence and his opponents, including Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton for several years. This is confirmed by Source D, closely associated of Trump, who has organized and managed his recent trips to Moscow, and reported that in June 2016 that the Russian intelligence have been very helpful. Kremlin's cultivation operation on Trump also had compromise, uh, compromised offering him various lucrative real estate development deals in Russia, especially in relation to the 2018 World Cup soccer tournament. However, for unknown reasons, Trump has not taken on, up on any of these. However, here we go, this is the juicy part. However, there are other aspects to Trump's engagement with the Russian authorities, which one, one which has borne fruit for them was to exploit Trump's personal obsessions and sexual perversion in order to name, uh, obtain suitable, and this is a new word I learned, compromat, and that's Russian for compromising material, on him. According to Source D, where she or he had been present, Trump's perverted conduct in Moscow included hiring presidential suite of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, where he knew President and Mrs. Obama, whom he hated, had stayed on their, one of their official trips to Russia, and defiling the bed where they had slept by employing a number of prostitutes to perform a quote-unquote golden showers urination show in front of him. The hotel was known to be under FSB control with microphones and concealed cameras in all the main rooms to record anything they wanted to. Um... Let's see, that was confirmed by another source. Uh, so we have multiple sources, according to this person, uh, saying that this is true. Um, Trump's it's skipping down a little bit. Trump's unorthodox behavior in Russia over the years has provided uh, the authorities there with enough embarrassing material on uh, now presidential candidate Trump to be able to blackmail him if they so wanted. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the the gist of it. There's more on the summary, but I think that that covers most of the basics. And of course, there's more detail later on, but. That, yeah. that's kind of the, the gist of it, so. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and this, from what I understand, the FBI got this intel in August 2016. Mm-hmm. And that was about five months ago from now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the hell the FBI's been doing with this intel, but, you know, clearly, you know, informing the American people, uh, acting on it, um, you know, this was not on their agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Well, and you combine that with the timing of the Comey letter uh, uh, having to do with Anthony Weiner's, uh, you know, laptop. Uh, you know, the timing of that release. Uh, it almost looks like some there might be a FBI CIA split, maybe, in who they wanted to be president, possibly. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think this raises a lot of questions. I mean, like, I, it's hard to even know where to begin, but, I mean, we are, uh, what is it, we're, it's, uh, it's January 13th, and uh, we're about, what, seven, or exactly one week away from the inauguration of Trump. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, you know, when a, when a, when a hostile foreign government plays a role in the democratic election of a president and the president doesn't win the, the popular vote, I mean, if we find out evidence that they significantly impacted the election in such a way that they got their candidate in, and it's clear to most Americans that this guy's going to be bad for America. I mean, we're, we're a democracy, but do you just let that go through? You say, okay, well, all right, Russia, you got us this time, but we'll try again in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, or do you, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we, um, I don't know that carrying on with business as usual is the correct response in this case. I just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the democracy at any cost, I mean, I don't know, you know. <laughs> Probably, you know, they always say Russians respect strength and stuff, and probably the, the strongest method we could send to Russia would be to, to march Donald Trump directly into jail, mm-hmm. hold another election, and be hyper-vigilant for their crap. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably the only message they would receive that would be like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't have an answer for it, but I mean, I'm just saying it seems wildly naive to just treat this like any other election where we have a president that the American people voted for. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff here. There's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, one part of it is the, the golden showers, so the uh, water sports aspect of the sexual aspect, which is obviously, you know, um, Yesterday was a bizarre day because that aspect of it was all over Facebook. Everybody yeah. Was talking but I would check, uh, you know, I would check like CNN and they have no mention of it. They just have mention of the report. And in the, in the, in the article, they don't really talk about that. They just talk about other stuff. And, right. You know, well, and then uh, also, you know, when they had that, and this coincided, uh, unfortunately for Trump, with his first press conference in July. Um, so basically all the questions were relating to this uh, when I'm sure he didn't want to talk about this at all. And we can talk more about the press conference later because that was a bizarre scene in and of itself. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, well, the building showers aspect is one aspect of it. And it's, it's the fallacious aspect. And it's, you know, I mean, does it be, I mean, whether you think this is true or not, do you really think this would be out of character for Donald Trump? No. I mean, he's been prostitutes in Eastern European slash Eurasian country, um, doing some sexually perverted and sadistic stuff involving urine. Mm-hmm. I mean... And he said in the press conference, and besides, like, I'm a germaphobe, so you know. Let me just tell you what I do. When I leave our country, I'm a very high-profile person, would you say? 
I am extremely careful. I'm surrounded by bodyguards. I'm surrounded by people. And I always tell them, anywhere, but I always tell them, if I'm leaving this country, be very careful. Because in your hotel rooms, and no matter where you go, you're going to probably have cameras. I'm not referring just to Russia, but I would certainly put them in that category. And number one, I hope you're going to be good anyway. But in those rooms, you have cameras in the strangest places. Cameras that are so small with modern technology, you can't see them and you won't know. You better be careful or you'll be watching yourself on nightly television. I tell this to people all the time. I was in Russia years ago with the Miss Universe contest, which did very well. Moscow, the Moscow area, did very, very well. And I told many people, be careful, because you don't want to see yourself on television. Cameras all over the place. And again, not just Russia, all over. Does anyone really believe that story? I'm also very much of a germaphobe, by the way. Believe me. Yeah, I, I had two immediate thoughts when he said that. First thought was, well, you're in a stare also. That doesn't really matter. Uh, secondly, uh, this doesn't say that they were peeing on you. It just says that they were doing this on the bed while you watched where the you know President and Mrs. Obama had slept so you could defile it, not that you were in the middle of it. So I don't see that you're actually being a germaphobe affects that. Yeah, I have. Um, well, I mean, there are two to three um, possibilities as to how this went down that I can imagine. And my sister would have not. <laughs> I mean, number one, Trump was peeing on these ladies on the bed. Mm -hmm. Number two, the ladies were peeing on Trump on the bed. Number three, the ladies were peeing on each other on the bed. <laughs> Maybe number four, the ladies were just peeing on the bed. But I, I don't, I, I don't think that's you know. You don't hire prostitutes just to do I, peeing on the bed. I think you do more. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you do water, when you go down the water slide, you don't go down halfway. <laughs> you got to go all the way down, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just saying those I mean um and I would say as a caveat to all of those things, I think, you know, there's the high possibility that somebody was drinking this urine too. Mm hmm So I mean that's that's my um I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's that's my uh uh detailing of possible permutations of what exactly went down in the bedroom. Uh huh. Um but in addition to that aspect of it, which, like I said, is the salacious aspect, there's also the mention of Alpha Bank, which some people have tried to discredit the report by mentioning that they misspelled the name, which mm -hmm. is A-L-F-A. Yeah. They had misspelled it as A-L-P-H. Yeah, I saw that. And I don't know if that's just like a romanization of the, you know, the Russian, or, you know, the more accurate romanization of the Russian word or something. But, mm -hmm. but I happen to remember something from a long time ago, earlier during the campaign, which, you know, maybe it was six months ago or something. When, I don't know when it was, but well, actually I do know when it was because I looked up a Slate article on this topic. Yeah, I read the same one. Mm -hmm. This was about the... Uh, the, the server. The server connection yeah. between the Donald Trump campaign servers in Fifth Avenue, New York, and... Alpha Bank, which is mentioned in this thing, mm -hmm. 
um, I guess, headquartered in Moscow. And the, well, let me just, like, I went through this article kind of with a fine-tooth comb and took out some of the stuff that was important, I thought. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Alpha Bank was founded by a Ukrainian named Mikhail Friedman. Um, he hired a guy named Pyotr, Pyotr, Pyotr Ever. This is a Russian spelling, so... Um, who had worked with Putin in the early 1990s and possibly protected Putin from allegations of corruption. Mm -hmm. um, well, anyways, in July 2016, a Moscow bank was irregular, started irregularly pinging a server at the Trump Organization on Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, it... They said this, they, at first they thought this could have been just like kind of Russian spam or malware attack or something like that. But then they said this wasn't, this was like, a, the, the patterns indicated human level communication because it took place during office hours in New York and office hours in Moscow. So it seemed to be happening when people were awake at both ends. Right. Um, and it was not like constant. It was like kind of like, it was more like a human back and forth communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a closed mail server. Um, the, the investigators at, I guess, Slate, Slate.com, the newspaper that was, the online publication that was recording this, they tried to ping the Trump server as well, and they couldn't do it. So you had to, like, it was a private server. You had to, you had to be able to, um, you know, you had, you had to know your way in to get in. Mm -hmm. Um, any, uh, let's see. Uh, New York Times started investigating this, and let's see, 87% of the made messages came from Alpha Bank, where we assume there were messages. We don't know what was transmitted on it. Some sort of information was being transmitted back and forth, and apparently 87% of the messages that came into the Trump server were uh, from Alpha Bank. Mm -hmm. um, communication was in a quote-unquote secretive fashion, so I don't know what that means, but they, you know... I'm, I, you know, I sound like I'm Mr. Robot over here. I have no idea what half of this stuff means. But it, it doesn't sound good, right? You know, it just doesn't sound good. And it, and the people who in, who were interviewed in the article were computer security experts, and they were very clear that something was not normal about this. Mm -hmm. um, after the New York Times began contacting Alpha Bank in Moscow, um, the Trump server was crudely severed on the Trump end. Hmm. And a new server was set up under a new name. And the first and only contact that came to the new server was from Alpha Bank. Um, again, they tried to ping this thing, and they couldn't, they couldn't get in. They couldn't access it. So, hmm. And they said that, that this is important because when there's a new server like this set up with a new name, you can't just randomly uh, contact it. Hmm. You have to know who you're contacting exactly. So it's not like just anybody could just happen to randomly ping this thing. The, Somebody on the Trump side had to tell the Alpha Bank about the new server before mm -hmm. they could start contacting it. Um, so this this was an, this was an article that I remember during the campaign that I you, you know up until after the election I just kept thinking like whatever happened with that did they ever do a follow up on that what was going on with that like the, the Trump computers were contacting a Russian bank. That's a story. What what the hell was going on there? Mm -hmm. It just it just kind of fell off the radar, and everybody was posting all these things about uh, I don't know, just how they felt about the election, or you know what it means for America, or just you know just kind of these like 
I don't know. This was a story that just kind of fell by the wayside. And now the fact that the Alpha Bank name comes up again in this uh, this, this communication, uh, you know, I've seen people try to discredit this thing by saying, well, you know, 4, 4chan took credit for it. They said this was just their thing. Yeah, but I read something on Gizmodo that said that that was not correct either, that, that 4chan was trying to take credit for this where they didn't. So. Yeah, or, yeah, specifically that 4chan had just, like, made it up or something. Yeah. This was all not a real story. It's a bunch of shit. I mean, Alpha Bank is a real thing. It was already documented that they had some sort of improper communication with the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's coming up in this this uh, intelligence that has been, uh, you know, given to both Trump and Obama by the heads of the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, and the Director of National Intelligence mm-hmm. means, no, this was not some bullshit 4chan thing. This was a real thing that was happening. And that's why Alpha Bank's name is coming up in this report again. Mm-hmm. So, I just, you know, that's that's a huge aspect of it. It's not just a bunch of, you know, people pissing on each other, although that's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There, there's... This guy, he just shouldn't be our president. Mm-hmm. He's up to something. Well, and and it, like you were kind of alluding to earlier, it it this report you know fills in a lot of blanks for us because as much as Trump flip flops on so many issues, one thing he never flip flops on is his constant flattery of Putin and his intelligence and strength. Um, that's something that you'll never hear him waver on. Whereas he'll take both sides of every issue within the same sentence sometimes, so um, it's a little suspicious just given the fact of how wishy-washy he is on every other thing, um, but now this way, you know, if they have something on him of this level, I mean what couldn't they make him do? So Yeah, yeah, and you know, I saw. I also saw some people somewhere on Facebook like saying that well, you know, Russia denies it, they say they don't have any intelligence on Trump it's like People, I mean, people are just so like they're so stupid. They're just like they'll believe whatever they want. They have the they have the outcome that they want to have in their mind, mm-hmm. and then they'll just latch on to any evidence that supports that. And it's like, oh well, the Russians said they didn't. Do, oh, the Russians said they didn't do it. Well, right now it's not advantageous for them to admit that they have any blackmail intel mm-hmm. on Um. Yeah, and the only way we would ever see this blackmail is if he ran, runs afoul of them, which so far hasn't happened, and I don't really know what would cause him to, you know, go against them, I guess. Um, but who knows? I mean, yeah, maybe we, maybe somebody will leak it on their end. So, who knows? Um, well, one thing I can say is that if this is a true story... I mean, people need to be watching out for um, dead prostitutes to start turning up in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Well, we already know that Putin's not above, you know, disappearing his political opponents, so I can't imagine the life of a Russian prostitute is worth much to him, so... Yeah, especially when any day one of them could come home, come, you know, come forward and say, yeah, I was in the room with Trump and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this, if this is a real thing that happened, those people's uh, lives are... Mm-hmm. I mean, they may already be dead, my, my God. I mean, I don't think I'm going too far in the conspiracy land to say this. I mean, 
Well, no, I mean, you look at some of the journalists that have ended up dead in, in Russia and, and other places that are, you know, uh, you know, cr- critical of the Kremlin. Like, there was that, I forget his name, but the guy that had, like, some radioactive isotope put in his tea or something. And then uh, there was the yeah, other guy who got shot on the street in front of the Kremlin, and no one had brought daylight, and no one's arrested for it. And so, yeah, it, this happens, you know, we know this happens. <laughs> I think there was a female reporter who was shot in or in front of her apartment, too, somewhere in Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. Which is just yeah. the, all the more disturbing that the Republicans, like you kind of been saying, have just been sitting on their hands about this just because it turned out that they won the election because of it. It's, uh, you know, I, I hate to be on the same side of any issue as John McCain and, and Lindsey Graham, but, you know, at least they're, you know, questioning this a little harder than most Republicans seem to. They just seem to be fine with this, which is amazing given that this is the party of Reagan, um, you know, that we have to convince them that R- Russia doesn't have our best interest in mind it's like aren't you guys supposed to be the first ones on this issue like yeah that i think and that's something i think we talked about before during the debates was that hillary clinton sounds more hawkish on russia and mm-hmm. on policy than the republican candidate does which is unprecedented in my lifetime mm-hmm. I, think. I mean you know it's always been the republicans who have been crazy about russia mm-hmm yeah, I mean, she's the one that was talking about the no-fly zone over Syria and, and that, and that's, uh, you know, pretty hard-line stance compared to what Trump was talking about, you know, so. Yeah, and I want to say about that, I mean, I hear a lot of liberals saying, oh, well, you know, Hillary Clinton's going to get us into a hot war with Russia by trying to impose a no-fly zone over Syria. It's going to cause a nuclear war. It's like, come on, no, it's not. No, it's not. We could we could shoot down a dozen Russian planes over Syria that wouldn't probably start a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's assuming that they would keep flying after we shot the first one or two down. And that's assuming we even would shoot them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Turkey already shot one down. Mm-hmm. Intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Um, uh, so I don't I don't buy that that you know like I said I I've been a Bernie bro since you know since pretty much pretty near the beginning of this campaign um, not right at the beginning but pretty near it and I guess I mean that aspect of it has never really walked with me this thing that Hillary Clinton's going to start World War Three and Donald Trump wouldn't or something mm-hmm. so. Um, Let's see, I've got more notes here about various things to talk about with this, because I think there's a lot. I mean, yeah. over the past two days, there's been a lot going through my head about what the implications of this are and what the correct response is. Oh, but, yes. Um, I, I just, uh, okay, let's see. I think, I, think, I, I think we're kind of slowly coming to the point where I want to talk about journalism and the role of journalism and journalistic responsibilities and this stuff that is uniquely in your wheelhouse mm-hmm. but I definitely have an opinion on too mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I mean um, well okay number one people have been saying this is fake news I mean Donald Trump said it's fake news everybody's saying it's fake news I, and I think there's an important distinction between fake news and this um, this is unverified news mm-hmm. and I would say I think that probably a lot of the news we get is unverified mm-hmm. I mean, and when you do a podcast or when you do anything, I mean, I'm sure when you do any kind of reporting, you 
realize very quickly how few statements you can make categorically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that we know in our day-to-day life, but if you have to say them and you have to push back on people who are going to disagree with them, you realize, okay, well, I've got to, I know this is true, but I've got to actually go out and like detail the sources for it and find things to point to that confirm it, because otherwise it's just my word against somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that term um, fake news has gotten weaponized pretty quickly by the people it was meant to put in their place. I mean, I feel like it's almost a useless term now because it's basically just come to mean any news that I don't like is fake news, at least yeah, the way yeah. Trump uses it. So, I, I, I don't think it's a useless term, but I think the Republicans have always been very good at weaponizing any kind of term, mm-hmm. even with just the word liberal. Mm-hmm. Into majority yeah, right. So... I, I don't, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, like, it's kind of like how words that people use in a negative way, I mean, like, you know, idiot used to be like a word, a medical term, but mm-hmm. then it became an insult or yeah. mm-hmm. how, you know, retarded or something or simple or these kinds of words used to be, a, have a very, just a medical term, basically, yeah, clinical but then it's an insult and then it's mentally handicapped and then it's differently abled and then it's, you know, it's just, it's this constant evolution of words because other people are appropriating the words in negative ways. Just like at some point you just gotta say, you know, like, look, no matter what name we give this, people are gonna continue to misappropriate it. And so we're not gonna change our language usage based on what other people are gonna do with it. Mm-hmm. And I think fake news and you know, I see it every day on Facebook. It's these people, oh, you know, Hillary Clinton has Parkinson's disease. Oh, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's going to die in six months. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, and these things are coming from websites that are designed to look like real news websites. Mm-hmm. Um, but 95% of the content on them is vile, yeah. uh, you know, just right-wing fantasy mm-hmm. dressed up to look like news. And it, it, it's, it's a poor excuse for even looking like news when you read the articles. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of invective and opinion mixed in with things that are completely false, quote-unquote mm-hmm. facts. That's what fake news is. A, a report that has been vetted to, to the degree that it's able to be vetted and has been presented to the outgoing and incoming president is not the same as something you're going to see on InfoWars, mm-hmm. you know? It's just not. Right. It's, not it's not. I mean, you could say these are different degrees of fake it's not, it's not fake news. It's just news that has not been confirmed. Yeah, it's also really rich to see people like Alex Jones very concerned about this quote-unquote fake news of this report when, you know, of all the crazy things that he pushes, like the Sandy Hook thing was a hoax and so on and so forth. You know, it's like yeah. the purveyor of fake news is all of a sudden very concerned about veracity. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, uh, everything's a joke in this country now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say this isn't fake news. I mean, like, you know, I mean, if you're a reporter and you talk to a source that you trust, mm-hmm. you can report that and say this comes from a, uh, a, an anonymous source, and he happens to be, you know, in the past he's been a, mm-hmm. been a reliable source, so we are treating it as real info. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we don't know about this guy's past, but he runs a company that deals with corporate and governmental espionage. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he runs that company. I, I checked out their website earlier today, and they're very concerned with, you know, their their image and their credibility, their credentials, their history, their, you know, this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, their discretion. I mean, these are not people who are just, you know, but, I mean, these people, they have 
they have a stake in the game. They're not just throwing out random stuff to see what sticks. If they put this forward, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, well, we can't trust anything that comes from the intelligence agencies. But the alternative is trusting Vladimir Putin. And, I, you know, I don't know. So I, I would just say, I think that that's the difference between this and fake news, which is something that people have really been trying to muddy the waters with over the past 24 hours. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what, Bob, what would you say is the, uh, what's, what's the journalistic take on this? I mean, because obviously BuzzFeed is not a traditional news organization. Right. They're not somebody with the pedigree of like a CNN or a Fox News even, or, mm-hmm. you know, an ABC or a, you just, you know, pick your poison. They're not a big news. I mean, what is the... It's it's a thorny issue for sure, and I think if Gawker was still around, uh, I think he would have seen this a lot earlier. I think this was definitely a story Gawker would have uh, been all over months ago, and they probably you probably would have already maybe had some uh, independent sourcing of some of this stuff by now because it would have been out for so long. But you're right, BuzzFeed, um, you know they do have some legit news. Um, I, McKay Coppins is one of the best political reporters out there, and he works for BuzzFeed, so they do have some credibility. But there is also a stigma around BuzzFeed that, oh, it's just cat gifs and gifs or whatever. Um, you know, so, so they have a little less credibility to lose just because people kind of side-eye them anyway. Um, so I felt like they kind of know that they're one of the maybe outside players in this game in some ways, and they're, they have a little less credibility to lose, uh, which is kind of why you saw them approaching this differently than CNN, who's more of a legacy media company as much as there is one. Um, so I think that they have a little more, yeah. I, I would say I, I've seen people say today, well, you know, this this releasing things like this, it further damages the image of journalism, which has taken a real beating in the 2016 campaign. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you're coming at this the wrong way. Real journalism has taken a real beating this year because you don't publish shit like this when mm-hmm. everybody in Washington, D.C. and New York knows about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I've... you're sitting on some information that the American voter could use to inform their decision, and you don't report it, Mm -hmm. and you don't hurt Donald Trump, but you do every single day you talk about whatever the hell any any random Republican is Mm -hmm. saying about Hillary Clinton's emails and shit. She had some problems there, but the the answer to me is more transparency, not less transparency. Sure. You know. Well, and I, you know, and I would be a a, a complete hypocrite if I didn't also say that in my reporting, I've also reviewed the DNC emails. Uh, you know, I've reviewed the Podesta emails. I've I've written some columns, including some things from that. So that is also leaked information that that could have been doctored. I don't know. WikiLeaks just dumps it. They don't have any verification process. So who knows if this has been doctored. So, you know, I, I have in the past engaged in reporting that used leaks, uh, you know, that other people brought. Now, granted, I wasn't the person that it was leaked to. I think that's an important distinction. You know, WikiLeaks was the yeah. one that took the hit in that case. In this case, it was BuzzFeed. Uh, in other cases, it was, you know, uh, you want to take it to 
Snowden, you know, he gave his stuff to Glenn Greenwald. He reported it first, you know what I mean, and Laura, Laura Poitras and that. So, I mean, there are reporting that has been done based on leaks in the past, and that's that's a real thing, and I don't think we should say that that's fake news just because it, it came from a, a, a source that we can't, uh, you know, identify readily. Because we don't know who necessarily gave those to WikiLeaks. Uh, we think it's the Russians, but who knows if it, they tampered with them before they gave them. So, I mean, I have reported on that kind of stuff. So it is kind of a gray area. I personally probably wouldn't be the first. I'm glad that BuzzFeed took the hit on this because you're right. It is important information. This was apparently disseminated all through Washington. Many high-level, you know, uh, officials and, and news uh, journalists, you know, had this document, um, but weren't reporting on it because they couldn't verify it. So I mean, they took the hit. Now, if I was Donald Trump and I wanted to take them to court, I think I'd have a pretty good libel case because unless they can prove this, you know, he's probably got a pretty good case. I could see, and I can see that he loves to sue people mm-hmm. too. And I, and I thought of that too. I said, like, I mean, my God, just the way people are carrying on on Facebook and Twitter about this. I mean, yeah, libel case is like a no-brainer. I mean, it's just like his, his, I, you know, if we find out this is true or if we find out this is false, it doesn't even matter to me. In my mind, Donald Trump will always be the person who enjoys water sports in <laughs> Russian hotels. I mean, forever. That's it. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you know. It it doesn't matter, you know. Uh-huh. What's true and what's false anymore, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's if, if if this election has proven anything, that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the zeitgeist now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what's true or false. The sooner Democrats and mainstream media can get that through their heads, the sooner they'll be able to effectively fight this guy. Mm-hmm. But they can't fight them with one hand tied behind their back talking about, well, we didn't confirm it and it's not true. You think the Republicans give a fuck if a rumor about Hillary Clinton is confirmed or not? Mm. Hell no. They're going to run with it and repeat it again and again and again. It's going to get stuck in, you know, 46% of the population's brains. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I mean, I know, I, I'm sure you can't quite follow me down that rabbit hole because you're in the media, but mm-hmm. I just think when it comes to political reporting, we're, we've been in a post-truth world for a little while now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, all this hand-wringing about this, you know, oh, was it right to publish it? Was it right to leak it? I mean, it's out there. It's there now. you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's irresponsible not to address it because it is, like you said, it's in the atmosphere now. And, and whether or not it is true, it, he will always be known as the guy who enjoys getting beat on. That's that's going to be that's going to be his legacy in, in the minds of the American probably, public. So. Probably how his hair and his skin gets that particular glow. <laughs> Somebody's really dehydrated. Then. It, all makes, it all makes a lot more sense now. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, I think, and I think a thing about publishing this is that you know it's not. I mean, I, I saw Chris Engel, I think, being interviewed by somebody last night, and they said, well, they mentioned this, they brought up this story, and he's like, well, yeah, I mean, me and everybody in in the news media and you know in Washington, we've known about this for months, but we didn't report it. And I'm like. What the fuck were you doing? You know, I mean, I know it's a rumor, but if this is getting briefed to the presidents, that's that lends a degree of credibility that means mm-hmm. that hey, I, you know, frankly, I think that I think the secrecy in Washington and stuff, and all this classification stuff, all this stuff. I mean, 
Hillary Clinton with her private server and all this stuff, and did she or didn't she pass, you know, classified information? And, you know, she made the half, she halfway made the argument that there's an overclassification problem. And I, mm-hmm. I you know. I, I think that's actually probably true. I think there's something to that. I think that's true. I think, I mean, because we've all worked in organizations, and, you know, something comes through your hands and you have the choice to classify or not classify. Why not, you know, cover your ass and classify it? Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, it doesn't hurt you, and it, if you don't do it, it should have been classified, then it's going to come back on you later. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the American people cannot make the right decisions when we've got these elites in Washington and New York who have access to entire reams of information and mm-hmm. rumor and what's what what what's really going on mm-hmm. that us fucking yokels out in the out in flyover country don't even fucking know. Yeah. I mean, how the fuck are we supposed to have a functioning democracy? This is what the media is for. Mm-hmm. To keep the American people informed. I mean, am I wrong about that? No, no, you're right. And if you want to look at the most disgusting example of kind of the uh, chumminess between these uh, establishment journalists and the and the government they're supposed to be adversarial with is look no further than the White House Correspondence Dinner. Um, you know, that is kind of the orgy of, you know, uh, no, you know, <laughs> no ethics as far as like, oh, it's just because it kind of just makes it into a big game. It's just like, oh, we're all on the same side. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be on the same yeah. side. You should be publishing yeah, things yeah. these people don't want to all the time. So Yeah, yeah, I know you, you guys got some good jabs in at me last year and I, you know, I declined interviews and stuff, but hey, we're all here smiling and having a good time at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah it's like it, it's kind of disgusting when you think about what their job should be. And I these 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 organizations they want to maintain the possibility that they could get an interview at any time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and exactly. I would I would have more respect for CNN today if they published some shit that would be so damaging to Donald Trump that he would never go on their program again and he would say that. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't co- try to come crawling back to him to mm-hmm. get an interview later and apologizing and shit. Mm-hmm. I would have so much more respect for CNN if that's what they did, but that's not the that's not what they're going to do. Yeah, that's not what these major media conglomerates are designed to do. It's well, not in their DNA. To yeah, do. yeah, and and, and uh, to kind of go back to that press conference I was talking about from yesterday, uh, you know, Trump is already treating CNN as if they did the exact same thing as BuzzFeed. So it was really it wasn't even in their interest to not publish it. Uh, they got scooped on it because yeah. they were trying to maintain some kind of credibility. But then when Jim Acosta from CNN, the White House uh, correspondent for CNN, asks a question, tries to ask a question during this press conference, you know, Trump just shouts him down as fake news and and moves on yeah. to someone else from Breitbart, you know, of all places, and it's like You're being rude. Stop being rude. Stop being rude. Yeah, I'm not going to answer your question. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, not you. Not you. Your organization's terrible. Your organization's terrible. Let's go. Go ahead. Quiet. Quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I don't know how if you want to go into the press conference, but that was just crazy. He filled the room with paid staffers who clapped and cheered for everything he said. Um, and they, the law firm that announced his disentanglement, such as it was from the Trump Organization, which is a joke, uh, that is a law firm that was named Russia's top law firm in 2016. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. And then he had a uh, table of, of documents supposedly talking about all the things he'd signed to disentangle himself, but the reporters weren't allowed to look through them, and people are speculating now that those were just blank pieces of paper and unmarked folders. So it was just all theater. The first time. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, to be, and to, be, to be fair, to be, uh, I, I did see on Snopes earlier today that the um, law firm that he's dealing with there, they they themselves weren't named Russia's number one legal thing or something, but their their branch office in Moscow or something was. I think so it was kind of like a subdivision of or uh, like a kind of a subsidiary of the mm-hmm. main law office or something. So so that's a little bit more nuanced there. I just want to get that in. Okay. But yeah, but yeah, I mean. I mean, what's it, Rex Tillerson or something? He's a friend of Russia or whatever. He got, he got the Order of Friendship from Vladimir Putin, which is basically one of the highest civilian honors that a foreigner can get from Russia. So, and when you and when you and you can't not mention that when mm-hmm. you talk about the fact that is Donald Trump already doing things on behalf of Russia, like appointing this guy Secretary of State? Mm-hmm. What the hell does he know about international diplomacy? He knows about oil. That's what he knows about. He knows about oil, and apparently he knows a good deal about Russia, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ExxonMobil isn't going to put up a stink if a local despot wants to do some dirty deeds, you know. They just want the oil. They just want the money, Lebowski. Um, they're not going to, yeah. like, they're not concerned about, you know, diplomacy or fostering democracy in far-off lands. That, that, that doesn't affect their bottom line. All they want is the ability to go in there and excavate and, you know, get the oil out of the ground. That's all they're caring about. So he doesn't care about the ethical concerns, <laughs> you know, we might have with Putin. So... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think I think all of these things are just it's 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 all right there. But you know, something approaching fifty percent of the American population um, has been pre-programmed not to listen to facts or reality anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not interested. That you know, they they want to dismiss any kind of evidence that goes against their guy reflexively mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, I do think like these kind of kind of the like uh, these big you know media conglomerates that just they I don't know. You know, I, I just think they're going to lose because people want information. Information is disseminated in different ways today. And another thing about this is the fact that this is out there and it's public now. This is. But, you know, you can say, well, we didn't want to report it until it's verified. You can't verify this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless Russia releases video from inside the hotel room, you can't, how are you going to verify it? Mm-hmm. Unless the Russian, you know, it, it's just, it can't be verified. You're never going to verify it. So if, if your criteria for, for releasing information that could have affected the outcome of the election and could have let the American people potentially make a more informed decision with their votes. Mm-hmm. If you're conditioned for releasing that, when it, when it applies to Trump, not when it applies to the Democrat, if your condition is that it has to be verified, well, then it's just never going to happen. But now that it's out there in the public, now that we've got citizen journalists, now that we've got um, interested parties, now that we've got the intelligence agencies of America 
probably in a position where they realize they're going to have to go hard after this evidence and find out what actually happened. This is how this is going to be. If it's going to be found out, this is how it's going to be found out. It wasn't going to be found out by keeping it under wraps and letting mm-hmm. like, the you know the glitterati in New York and Washington just keep it amongst themselves. So for journalism, it's actually good that this is made public because that means that there's probably thousands of people in America and around the world who have a vested interest in finding out what the hell is actually going on now, where before they didn't yeah. even know anything was going on. And you have to so, imagine if he was this reckless in Moscow, this couldn't be the first time that he'd done something just as reckless overseas where he was being monitored. You know, there has to be other occasions where he was out of his own element in a hotel room where it was bugged somewhere where this or something like it happened. It has to be true. If that if that's true, this can't be. Yeah. I seriously doubt he found out about water sports for the first time in this one occasion in Moscow. Like, they brought out a menu and he was like, oh, you can do that? Like, I'm sure he already had this idea in his head because he'd done it before. If it's true of course yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's a you know i think he's a he's a sick sick dude and uh i think his attitudes towards women have been well documented before mm-hmm. this um so i mean you know consenting adults can do whatever the hell they want you know wherever but like if you're a public figure and you're going to another country and you're going to Russia, of all countries. Mm-hmm. Probably the only country in the world I can think of that would be more likely to have bugs in your room would be probably North Korea. That's what. That's exactly what I was going to say next. Yeah. I mean, when you uh, Russians are notorious for the, the the honey the honey trap. I mean, this is like this is their kind of this is in their wheelhouse. I mean, this is like you watch the Americans. It's like this is happening constantly or something. Mm-hmm. I watched that show like first two seasons or something, and then I kind of fell out of it, but. Uh, you know, this is what Russians are known for. When you think of Russian spycraft, you know, the seductive Natalia character or something and in the video, I mean, this is, yeah. It, 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 you know, Donald Trump is a person we can imagine doing this, and Russia is imminently a state that we can imagine doing this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and maybe you could say, well, if the CIA is just doing a, you know, a, you know, if they're just making this all up, of course they're going to make the details look plausible, but and you know, some people have said maybe this is this, the intelligence agency is making a you know firing shot across the bow of Donald Trump and saying, "Hey, you you better take it seriously, or we're going to wreck you." Mm-hmm. But well, he has to know at this point. At least I hope he knows that there has to be counter agents in Russia working with our intelligence, just as we know the opposite is true for us. It just has to be true. It, it, there's always uh, that that element in in the spycraft of the of the double agent. So, you know, they're going to work to you know he's he's basically burned all the intelligence agencies before he's even taken office. And, and you're right, this is probably them trolling him to a certain degree, being like, look, this is just the beginning. You know, if you think that this is bad, you know, we can get you on so many other things. So, yeah, and I, I think there there could also be an element of okay, this guy's really going to become president. We know this information is out there, and we know that this is already affecting his decision-making regarding Russia. We're going to try to neutralize this information as quickly as possible so that he can't be blackmailed by it to as much to such a great degree in the future because mm-hmm. it will already be known. And so I'm not, you know, I have no idea, but I can imagine that being also a thing. Look, we're just going to get this information out there so that the 
the black male quotient goes down sure. to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't you can't eliminate it because if a video comes out, it's all over for him. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, there's no way to unsee certain things, and that's going to be a hard image to unsee for all of us once if if that does come out. So. I hope it does. Yeah, me too. I I, I don't want to see it, but I, I want to see it. Does that see sense? It. Yes, it does. Exactly the way I feel. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I mean, like, now you had you had linked to a something about a kind of like the Associated Press, the AP. Oh well, that was the Society of uh, Professional Journalists. Um, their uh, their ethics uh, board has a has a blog that they do about journalistic ethics. Yeah, that was the thing I linked to. Okay. You know who I look forward to? I, I look forward to Matt Taibbi's uh, take on this from mm-hmm. Rolling Stone. Have you read him before? I have, yeah. I read a I read a book by him called The Great Derangement, and I've read some uh, articles in Rolling Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's. I think he's a great journalist. I think I've been reading him since at least two thousand five or two thousand six. Mm-hmm. I remember at the job I was working at that time, I would read his articles sometimes, like because I was just working overnight shifts all the time and stuff, and so I could just kind of like mm-hmm. read the news and stuff. And I was trying to be as politically aware as I could during the mid to late Bush years. Um, mm-hmm. But he was he, he was a great, he's a great journalist. He, he turns a phrase, and, and like I've seen interviews with him, and he's not quite as charming in person or whatever, but with the written word, he's very good. Mm-hmm. I'll still never forget, there was some quote he had in one of his articles where he was talking about, like, um, you know, the American public can watch Tony Soprano be a tough guy every day on the on TV, and they can convince themselves they're tough guys. In the meantime, you know, Osama bin Laden is still doing bong hits in a cave somewhere. So, you know, it's like, whoa, this is some, I mean, this it, it just painted such a wild picture, such a vivid picture. Like, I'll never forget that line. I mean, I can't remember how it went exactly, but right. it, it was a great, That's funny. you know, it was just a, but um, Matt Taibbi was a guy, he lived and worked in Russia for some time. Yeah, right? that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine he has, I mean, number one, he, he fucking hates Donald Trump. <laughs> he can't stand Republicans. And number two, he knows the Russian mindset. So and yeah. he's got experience over there. So I, I would love to, I can't wait to read his take on all of this because mm-hmm. I think it will be very insightful. Yeah, yeah. Another journalist I would watch out for, I don't know if she's commented on this yet, but uh, Masha Gessen, um, she's a great uh, journalist from Russia who's uh, living in exile. Um, she had a uh, article in the New York Review of Books right after the election called uh, something about how to survive an autocrat, uh, basically comparing, you know, her experience in Putin's Russia to what we may be experiencing very soon and already started experiencing with Trump. Uh, so she'll be another one to watch for. Also, you know, uh, Gary Kasparov, the, uh, chess champion, he's yep. been pretty good on, yep. on Russia stuff. He's got a book I want to read called, uh, winter is coming. So want to want to hear what they have to say for sure. So, I actually just listened to a, a an interview with Gary Kasparov on um, with uh, uh, what was it called? It was a podcast. It was a uh, was it Sam Harris? The Sam Harris is yeah exactly. Um, Waking up podcast mm-hmm. he has it's pretty good. I think I listen to it sometimes. I I don't go quite as far as he does in some ways, but I think he's a pretty he's a pretty smart guy. He clearly thinks very carefully about he, he puts a lot of thought into his opinions and some mm-hmm. of his opinions are obviously controversial and he may go a little bit far in some cases but i think he's a he's an interesting guy but but yeah he talked to gary kasparov for an hour or two there and it was it was good mm-hmm. and interesting and 
clearly the guy's a smart guy. So Yeah, for sure. I heard that one, too. It's a good one. Um, well, I actually have to go to work now, but uh, let's. We, if you want to, we can pick this up tomorrow morning. I'll, I'll have more time, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. Okay. So. Sure. Well, I, I don't know how much more I have to say about this. I, I think we've actually done a very good job of uh, covering basically everything I wanted to get to today. Oh, okay. Although cool. tomorrow's a whole other news cycle, <laughs> yeah. so we'll see what tomorrow brings us, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do you want to uh, tease our book club before we go? I'm sorry. Uh, do you want to tease our book club a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. We're um, Bob and I are currently working on another episode, and it's it's taking perhaps a little bit longer than I'd like. But um, I recently in South Korea at an Ameri- at an English language bookstore, I came across a copy of a book that I had read back in university as a joke, which was Bill O'Reilly's "Those Who Trespass." Um, I think I think it's called like a story of television and murder. A novel of television and murder, yes. <laughs> a novel of television and murder. And um you've probably you've probably heard that thing about hey baby, why don't you put down that pipe and get my pipe up or whatever. Yeah. Red and his doofy voice or whatever. That comes from this book. So if you want to hear some uh, dirty, dirty sex talk from Bill O'Reilly, and who doesn't, <laughs> uh, we'll be covering that in the coming weeks. Exactly. So get ready for that, people. If you want to read along with us, go uh, rush out to your local bookstore and, and get one of the many copies I'm sure is available <laughs> of that book. Yeah. In fact, I, I encourage our audience or our listeners to do that mm-hmm. uh, because, frankly, I, I'd love to finish this thing in a week or two, but I'm working a hellish shift right now. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just harder and harder to get, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to get time to sit down and read the book. I'm yeah. going to try to do it and I'm about four five, six chapters in. But if you start reading the book now, when you hear this podcast, you'll probably be able to keep up with us in the reading of the book, and right. that'll give you that much more enjoyment when we actually come to the end and we discuss the yeah. uh, there's some, content of the book. There's, there's notable passages on, on practically every page. So. <laughs> it's, it's a real, it's a window into a man's soul. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, uh, depending on what happens today, we may talk again. But either way, we'll be uh, reading up on the uh, the the man of letters, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, listeners, uh, keep listening to the news. Keep watching this thing. Keep holding Donald Trump's feet to the fire. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a non-story. This is a story that needs to be covered and responded to responsibly. Mm-hmm. If if we're all speaking Russian in four years, ask yourself what you did. Yeah. Exactly. The time of this story. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to have to figure out how to turn the uh, explicit warning on for this episode, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we might have to do that, but... uh, Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Well, Bob, I know you got to go to work here, so I'll let you get going, but rock over London, rock on Chicago. Mitsubishi, the word is getting around. All right. Thanks, Giles. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.